Hey there, it's Pastor Evan here. Welcome to Unpacked. This is a new series, Unpacking Life as a Messy Human. We're exploring the soul and the strength that comes from the journey of trying to live life authentically. We hope you find it helpful and that you can see yourself in the conversations, the stories, and the interviews. Have a listen and subscribe. This week, I discussed the topic of anger, and there was so much to learn here. I share a little bit about how anger can reveal our truest values and create good energy. I also talk about anger, how anger can impact our lives when we express it in unhealthy ways. And then we make our way into how we might move through anger towards healing. I just want to say, hey, I'm glad that you always have decided to join us, listen in. These are just some of my thoughts. In fact, these are some of the things that I've been learning from a book I've been reading recently um, called Why Emotions Matter. And uh, it's this beautiful book, uh, just kind of unpacking our emotions, what they mean, how do we deal with them? Are they good? Are they bad? What's a biblical perspective? Some of those kind of things. Today, we covered the topic of anger. And uh, I'm going to just jump right in. Anger um, is essentially our body's way of, of signaling to us that our, ex- our expectations are not being met. So as a basic foundation for today, I want you to be thinking about how your anger is telling you your expectations have not in some way been met. Now, sometimes that's long-term expectations, and sometimes that's short-term expectations. Sometimes how you expect people to behave and and sometimes how you expect like organizations to behave. Anger is like a surge of energy and aggression we feel when those expectations are not met. It also comes with this strong sense of, of rightness. You know, and, and, and of course, if a strong sense of rightness is coming, then, then there's likely a strong sense of someone else's wrongness. I'm not sure if that's even a word, but there you go. Wrongness. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that, that it's true. It just means that that's how you feel. Right? Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to circle around to, to a bunch of this, um, but, but I do want to remind us that sometimes expectations of others are not fair. That our anger is a signal that, that we are the ones that have to do some work. And, uh, and it's not always a signal that others around us are supposed to do the work. So I want you to kind of keep that in your mind today as we go. First, what though is the, the value of anger? Imagine for a second that uh, no one in the world felt anger. Okay, so the optimist in me wants to kind of go like full on hippie, you know, peace and love, you know, can't we all get along and see the beauty and everything, right? I don't know, man, I could get into that. I could really get into that. Until though a child gets molested. This week where I'm recording this um, it was Pink Shirt Day yesterday, which is which is an anti-bullying campaign, right? Raising bully, bullying awareness. Right? If we don't get get angry 
when people are treated unfairly, right, then how do we repair the issue? And, and where is the love in that? So the value that we can find in our anger is that it both reveals to us what we really care about and also gives us the energy to, to address it. You know, so the caveat here is that, is that sometimes it reveals to us expectations are self-motivated, that they're self-centered, that they're selfish. Any way we look at it, anger, though, can help us to mine for truth. Anyway, it can mine for truth. Now, anger is, is a wild one when it comes to the Christian perspective. In many ways, Christians have, have condemned anger because we associate it with violence and unkindness or unloving people. When really the Bible doesn't actually condemn anger. In Ephesians 4, Paul is writing uh, to, to the church in Ephesus and he's, he says in, in this little sentence, he says, In your anger, do not sin. In your anger, do not sin. Paul actually writes a lot to the earlier believers trying to help them to do life together and, and while also growing as individuals. And, and, and as our individual stories and, and, and the group of the, or the collective teaching of the group kind of come together, there's bound to be frustration and anger and tension. And so Paul is writing, that, writing this, right? He, he's handling anger with wisdom. How do we do that? It's one of the first topics that Paul tackles. So if I could, if I could say this any stronger, right, to get it into your head, anger is not a sin. What we do with it certainly can be, but the emotion itself is not sin. Right? Paul's words are kind of this cautionary tale. Don't allow your anger to lead to sin, to harm you, to, to live outside of what you were created for, which in the Christian faith, when the Christian story is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love others as yourself or to love your neighbor as yourself. It's from Matthew 22. Now, while I'm at it, um, many people have used Paul's words about not letting the sun go down on your anger. And, and I got to be clear that, that Paul was not literally meaning that. He was not literally saying, don't let the sun go down. In fact, in many cases, we need time to reflect on our anger so that we can, we can figure out what expectations aren't being met. I, I've seen countless stories of, of people confronting their unmet expectations before they really know what they are and 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 in an effort to to somehow solve the problem in a quick and orderly fashion more pain more suffering more damage can be done when we rush through this emotion of anger here's why my my psychologist friend maureen she she calls anger a secondary emotion calls it secondary anger. She says anger is, is always accompanied with other emotions. In fact, she is always telling me, and it's kind of irritating, she's always telling me that, that I can have multiple emotions for the same event. As a, as a guy who likes to have everything all ordered and all figured out, that's 
it's very frustrating because I, I'd really like for me to just say, oh yeah, this is what's happening. This is the emotion I'm having. And here's how I deal with it. I, I would like it to be that simple, but oftentimes many events come with multiple emotions and we have to be able to work our way through those emotions. Anger is almost always accompanied with other emotions. Anger is almost always masking some other thing that's going on, like, like our sadness or our shame or our embarrassment, right? Or, or our, it's a response to our fear, right? Or our vulnerability, or you, you can put in the fill in the blank. Anger is this loud emotion and it can, and it can be a facade. It can be a facade to protect us from, from the true emotions that, that are present there. Okay, so now we're getting into it, right? So I have a few examples of where anger can be a serious problem. Okay, the first one where it can be a serious problem is when, it, when our anger turns into blame. When we start blaming others, we're allowing our anger to intensify and often stunting how it can help to reveal to us the missed expectations, the expectations that haven't been met in us. In other words, we can, we can stop solving the problem or taking any responsibility for solving the problem. Right? We can stop asking ourselves the important questions. What do I have to own here? What am I trying to protect? What am I trying to hide? What am I trying to control? There's this great quote from the book that I, that I, I got to share with you. It says, anger tells us a lot about ourselves and our expectations but it doesn't say anything about someone else's motives or values. Honestly, assigning blame assigns motive. And I think, I think we do that. Once we start assigning what we believe other people's motives are, I, I think that we're working on the wrong side of the fence, that our anger actually isn't meant for us to determine somebody else's motive. It's meant to reveal ours. So that's the first thing. The, the second damaging thing is that, is that when we do all of this, we can, we, can, we can quickly be tempted to dehumanize others. We, we turn them into two-dimensional beings that we can attack and assume whatever we want. We don't take into account their story, how they got to this point. Even all the little facts and all the other things that they felt and experienced that we don't and will not ever get to see. Now, if ever there was a time when dehumanization was more rampant than now, I don't know when it is. Man, on our computer screens, right? We all get to be these brave keyboard warriors saying, saying and assuming all kinds of things about people on the other end. Dehumanizing someone ignores that they were made in the image of God. And we have all done it. And it's not okay. As soon as we start calling somebody, right, by their title in some derogatory way by their last name or we call them a, a racist slur, we are dehumanizing them and it's not okay. Another thing that's not okay is when anger turns to violence. When we cross into the land of, of misusing the energy that anger provides with an unhealthy use of problem-solving, which is to use violence. 
Another thing in place where anger can be really difficult and, and, and be used improperly is when we allow it to stew. When it begins to erode and erode us and turn into bitterness, it shows up in sarcasm and withholding love and affection, unforgiveness, and all the things that jam us as well as those around us. Oh yeah, many, many words today. <laughs> I learned a lot about myself in this chapter, so that's probably why uh, you're being subject to so much words and so much time. But, but I, and, I, and I actually do think uh, that I have plenty of anger. I think much of my work is to, with wisdom, with God's help, to understand my secondary anger. In other words, what are the emotions that are coming with it? So maybe here's a helpful metaphor. I, I love to sit and watch the fire, a fire burn. It creates energy. It creates heat, which I'm grateful for. It's even beautiful. I've had friends and family over this last little bit to stand around the fire in the backyard. And, and in a way, I was saying, hey, let's have a fire in the backyard. I was inviting them to come and spend time together, to be warmed by the fire, right? to have good conversation with friends. It's a good thing. However, however I also remember playing with fire as a kid. I, I, I almost burned down my parents' garage. When I was a boy, I just about started, I did start a grass fire, which almost led to a, a forest fire. I remember the fear, right, as I was running around trying to put that out, fix what I, in my curiosity, in my youthfulness, didn't see as such a potential for danger until I saw it happening. happening. Fire, when we don't keep it in check, can destroy everything, including us. Right? When we start using fire to burn others, we step out of what it was intended for and outside of what we were made for. We are allowing it to be in control. And rarely does any good come from out-of-control anger. We don't run around, we wouldn't do this and, and we think it's a terrible idea, right? We wouldn't run around the forest throwing lit matches everywhere and then blame the matches for causing a forest, forest to burn down, would we? We have to be responsible for the fires we light, for the places where our anger comes out. We want to be responsible for, for allowing our anger to turn into fuel fuel to help solve the problem, to reveal the missed expectation and the truth within us. So how can we prevent this from happening, these forest fires? Well, first, I'm, I'm going to give you a couple steps because I, I think it's helpful. First, when you feel angry, um, you kind of have to assess it. Like, how angry are you on a scale of one to 10? If you're in the three land, you know, the We'll, we'll call that little anger. Maybe all you need to do is, is take a breath and you'll breathe in and breathe out and then try to articulate what expectation wasn't met. Right? The second thing, though, is it, if it's a bigger than that, right? you, need to, you might need to step away. Maybe that anger is at a 7 or an 8 or 10. You need to step away. Oftentimes, anger in us tends to overshoot. 
It gives us like too much energy to put into a, into a problem. And, and so it comes out in aggression that we really don't need. And so sometimes we need to take a cooling off period. I got a caveat here. If you or someone you love or others, innocent others, are in immediate physical danger, well, to be honest with you, I think it might be a place where you need to let your anger off the chain for a bit so that you can uh, get yourself and others to safety. This is one of the places where it's important. But I think once we do that cooling off and as we do that cooling off, we got to reflect. And I got a few things for that. The first is I think we should put ourselves in the other person's shoes. How might they be seeing this situation? How might they be experiencing this situation? The second is, you know, you, what was your role in this situation? Now, this isn't excusing another person's behavior. It is simply taking responsible responsibility for your own role. The third is this place where we begin to examine our expectations. Are they reasonable? Are they based on love? Are they based on others? Are they based on protecting ourselves? Living healthy. This is the place where we get to examine, you know, what are the other emotions that are, are present in our anger? Maybe even what are the other emotions that my anger is covering up? It's that secondary anger piece. And then the fourth, what are the problems to solve? Our boundaries need to be set up, right? Are there compromises that need to be made? Truths that need to be spoken from your own heart, but maybe even revealed in others? And how do we go about doing that? And that's the last thing, the big one, the problem solve. As you lean back into whatever has caused this anger, how can we use this anger to fuel the solution? We're going to need a lot of energy to make our way through this. Oftentimes, part of the, solve, the problem solving of our anger is, is actually presented in confrontation. The anger can fuel more issues or you can use that energy to tell others how, how you felt and why. You're going to need energy to listen to the other side of the story. You're going to need energy to, to address the injustice of whatever it is that's taking place. You're going, to, you're going to need energy to change your own expectations if that's what's merited. In my experience, these steps, the steps take, take so much energy, but it is worth it. It is the step that, that leads towards forgiveness and, and maybe even reconciliation. It is the step that leads to interior freedom and hopefully to interior peace. So let me wrap up with this. Friends, we all experience anger. The sooner we can begin to turn our emotion of anger into a way of mining for the truths that are present in us, the good truth, but also the more difficult truth, 
the sooner we will become more whole as humans, able to, to give and receive love and care for others. So may God give you anger to reveal truth, truth both inside of you and in our world. May God give us wisdom to ask healthy questions in our anger, questions of ourselves and questions of others. May God give us the energy to walk all the way through our anger and come out the other side in freedom and in peace. Amen. Again, uh, thanks so much for joining me this week. Um, and I would be amiss if I didn't give credit uh, to, to the authors of this book, Why Emotions Matter. Um, both uh, Tristan and Jonathan Collins um, appear to me to be beautiful people with a great deal of wisdom to offer our world. It's just loaded with treasure. Um, and I'm grateful for their work. I hope that you are having a great week and you are experiencing all the emotions that God has given you to uh, to see see his beauty and his world have a good one <laughs>